0: Hi, this is Pastor Joshua Morocco, and you are listening to our King's Central Podcast. I hope you get encouraged. I hope the Word of God brings transformation to your life and empowers you. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the Word. Let's read the Word together, Genesis 11. I want us to read verses 32 through chapter 12, verse 9. Let's read the Word of the Lord together. It says, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran." Uh, Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law, Sarai, the wife of his son, Abram. And together they set out from Ur, the Chaldeans, to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time the Canaanites were in the land and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, "To your offspring I will give this land." So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And from there he went toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west. And I on the east, and there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And in the few moments remaining in the service, I'm asking that you will speak through me to your people. Come on, people, let's just pray in the Holy Ghost for a moment. Holy Spirit, come, come in power, come in might. I'm asking you, Lord, to use me, to be your mouthpiece, to minister life to your people today. I pray, God, that you would cause each one to have ears to hear, a heart to respond to you, eyes to see spiritual things today. And when we leave today, may we know we've heard from you and our lives have been changed. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'm going to declare to you something that's very real. The blessings of God are real. God has blessed me and my family greatly and beyond anything I deserve. And I believe God wants to bless you and your family. So I begin a new series today called The Blessed Family. The Blessed Family. Turn to your neighbor and say, You can have a blessed family. You see God promises to bless. In fact, he says that he wants to show his love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. He mentions that in Genesis, excuse me, in Exodus 20 verses 4 through 6 when he talks about the second commandment which is, thou shalt not make for thyselves any graven image. He is saying, if you will serve me and not serve other gods, I will bless you to a thousand generations, but to those who do not, there'll be judgment on their household. And he mentions that for four generations. Now think about it for a moment. The blessing of God. What do, there, there are many questions concerning what... <clears throat> that are raised when you talk about the blessings of God. I'll just name a few. What does it mean to be blessed by God? <clears throat> can we position ourselves to be blessed by God for a lifetime? And can, can we hinder the blessings of God by what we do? And there's many other questions that are raised that we will attempt to answer in this series. But I want to begin by asking how does one get started in being blessed by God and that's what we're going to explore today. So I want us to look at Abraham's life. At this time in his life he was called Abram and uh, we take a look at his life and we take a look at this text and what you'll notice is there's a fascinating insight here in verse 31 of chapter 11. You may have missed it when you were reading the book of Genesis. But Abram's, Abram's father was a man by the name of Terah, and he took Abram and Abram's wife Sarai and his grandson Lot, and they left where they were living and went. were on their way to Canaan's land. But they never made it. Instead, they settled in Haran, where he died. Now, what is interesting to me is could it have been that God had spoken to Terah just like he would later speak to Abram to go to Canaan's land, but Canaan but 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 Terah blew it. He stopped in the process of going to Canaan's land. So, <clears throat> could it be that he disobeyed the Lord? So God out of his mercy And grace speaks to Abram. And you'll notice that he tells him in chapter 12, verse 1, to leave your country and people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. Well, it just so happens that Abram also receives from the Lord special promises. I mean profound promises. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing to those who bless you. uh, I will bless, and whoever curses you, I'll curse, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed to you. I mean, powerful blessings. It's one of those things you want to capture and say, boy, I'd like those kind of blessings for my life. And what you'll notice here is that when you get to chapter 12, you notice that that Abraham obeys. He literally leaves and he goes to Canaan. And there God appears to him, which is an amazing thing, and gives him another promise. He begins to tell him that, his, that Abraham's offspring will, will, will get the land that they're standing on. My goodness. And it's there that Abraham begins to uh, worship God. He builds an altar there at Shechem. And then he leaves Shechem and he goes to the hill country and, uh, and he builds an altar there in the hill country in a place that was west uh, of Bethel and to I I was east of where he built it. So what happened, he calls on the name of the Lord and what he's saying here is this God who appeared to me, this God who spoke to me is my God and I choose to worship him for my entire life what out of that relationship with God you'll notice when you get to chapter 13 that Abram becomes very wealthy and then when you get to chapter 14 you'll notice that God gives victory in battle and Abram ties to God through Melchizedek something he instinctively knew that when he was in covenant with God there was a demand that would be placed on him by, de- by tithing, returning the 10%. He was declaring, the God I serve is the God who's able to take care of me. In fact, he wouldn't take any of the booty that he'd gotten in the victory of these kings that he had victory over so that no one else would get credit for his wealth except for God. Somebody say amen. Well, when you get to chapter 15, you'll notice that... Uh, He God promises Abraham that he will have offspring as much as the stars in the sky. And God is so uh, committed to doing this that God himself makes covenant with Abram. And there is this special ceremony that takes place. And then when you get to chapter 17, Abram's name is changed from exalted father to Abraham father of many. Even his wife's name is changed from Sarai to Sarah. And the sign of the covenant was circumcision. And um, God gave a promise to Abraham and Sarah that they would have a child, Isaac. And Sarah would be the mother of nations. Interesting to me that when you finally get to Genesis 18, you'll notice that we read why God chose Abraham. Take a look, if you have your Bibles, look at verses 18 and 19. He says, All the nations on earth will be blessed through Abraham. And then secondly, he says, So that Abraham will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. God desperately wanted someone who would do things right, and he chose Abraham, and he said, you're going to teach your children what's right and wrong. And finally, so that the Lord could bring her out, right here in verse 19 of that chapter 18, so that the Lord could bring about what he promised Abraham. He's saying, look, if you'll do what I'm saying, everything I've promised you will take place. Now, here's the issue. Everybody listen. Are you still with me here this morning? Can we have a covenant relationship with God? Can you and me, non-Jews, have a covenant relationship with God? I want everyone to say this one word. Yes! yes. Say it again. Yes. You say, well, Pastor, where did you get that? Oh, my, 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 my. The prophet Jeremiah prophesies of the day that God would make a new covenant with all humanity. Wow. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. In fact, the writer of Hebrews is so impacted by this prophetic word that the writer of Hebrews says it again in Hebrews chapter 8. Everybody turn there just for a moment, and you can read it for yourself. He's quoting Jeremiah here, Jeremiah 31, uh, 31. 31 through 34. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. And with the house of Judah, it will not be like the covenant I made with the forefathers who I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man... His brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. And the writer of Hebrews emphasizes that this was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 7. Just for a moment, you'll see verse 22. He says, Jesus has become greater than. Uh, uh, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. Then in 24, he says, And because Jesus lives forever, therefore he is able to save completely. Wow. Those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. And then he goes on to verse 28, and he says, He sacrificed for their sins once and for all when he offered himself. He begins to tell us that Jesus created a new covenant by his own death. And then when you get to chapter 8 of Hebrews, oh my, he's calling this covenant new. He has made the first obsolete and what is obsolete will soon disappear. He's saying this new covenant is much greater than the old covenant. The old covenant's disappeared. The new covenant has come. And he goes on in chapter 9 of Hebrews, verse 14, the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanses our conscience from acts that leads to death so that we may serve the living God. Wow! Somebody ought to be getting excited. We can experience a true covenant with God. And he says in verse 15, For this reason Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. Everybody say a new covenant. That those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Somebody is free in this house because of Jesus. Free of our sin. Wow. Well, if that isn't all, you ought to think about what the Apostle Paul said. In Romans chapter 10, in verse 4, he says, Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Oh, I can't get over it. It's awesome. In Romans 10, 8, he says, The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith. We are proclaiming that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for it is with the heart. Everybody say it's with the heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you, are con- you confessed and are saved. And then he goes on in verse 12 and says, For there is no difference between Jews and Gentiles. The same Lord is Lord of all, who really blesses all who call on Him. Who really what? Blesses all who call on Him. He does what? Blesses all who calls on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yes, you can be blessed. I'm telling you, you can be blessed by coming into a vibrant relationship with Christ. In fact, Paul talks about this even more in the book of Galatians. Let me just read it for you and take your Bibles and open it to Galatians 3, just for a moment. This is so important, because I'm going to teach you how God wants to bless you. Take a look at Galatians chapter 3, and verses 6 through 9. Let's read it together. And he says, He says, um, Consider Abraham. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then, that those who believe, those who believe, any believers in the house, are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by how? By faith. Everybody say by faith. by faith. And announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you, so that you have those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Wow. Then look at what he says in verse 13 of that same chapter. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessings, everybody say the blessing, Amen. given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. hallelujah through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Wow. Well, the blessing of God starts with a decision to come into covenant with God through faith in Jesus Christ and what he did in his life, death, and resurrection. And that brings me to why my family is blessed. The blessing on my life and that of Pastor Colleen started long before we were born. I'm going to have my wife coming up. Honey, Get that microphone just a moment. Tell us about your mom and dad and their relationship with Christ and how they, how they got saved and got married.
1: My mama was born in a, uh, Iowa and to Methodist people. And, but grandma and grandpa loved God. And their church was the center of their life but when mom was in in, uh, high school, she went to a camp, just a church camp, right? And the power of God hit that place. And she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, guess what? She became contagious. And when she got back to that Methodist church, hello, something happened. And um, so many of them got filled with the Holy Ghost during that time. Well, my auntie and uncle decided they didn't want to live in the snow anymore, sick and tired of that, and so moved out to California. And so soon after that, grandma and grandpa and my mom, who was the baby, moved as well. So there they are in California and going to church. Uh, What else do you do, right? (laughs) It's the most important part of the world. So my daddy, he was raised in California, but down in the desert poor guy. He was raised in, he was born in 1920, 100 years ago. And he um, was born in the desert, uh, El Centro, California. And boy, you know, during the 20s, that was not a fun time to be alive. He worked his brains out. He drove a school bus at 15. Ah, Ha! Yeah. Well, anyway, times have changed. Anyway, when his mother died, when he was 17, he moved to um, San Diego because his oldest brother was there, and he had uh, moved there with his wife and had a baby. And so um, my, my grandma had 12 kids, just letting you know. Dad was the seventh of that family. And he's the only one left, actually. Everyone else has gone to heaven, but my daddy... Anyway, so um, he moved to, to San Diego and my uh, auntie and uncle that were living there um, were going to church. And that's where he met mama. Where else do you go to meet your husband or wife, lifetime partner? Where else would you go? <gasps> I know some people go someplace else, but I wouldn't go there anyway so um they got married there in that little church and was serving god together there but i remember growing up in that church same church that they got married in (laughs) it was amazing people loving god and an example i could tell you all of the people in my church that was an example of god working in them were they perfect but neither was i so that worked out okay But you know what? I remember every Saturday night going to prayer meeting. Now here's a fact that you may have forgotten. We didn't have hair dryers in those days. And so Saturday night, of course, you washed your hair. And so we all showed up at prayer meeting with our hair in curlers. (laughs) Big old thing. Curlers. That was wonderful. Everybody knew this is Saturday night prayer. You come in curlers, or you're not very spiritual. Hello, there you go. Anyway, that, um, everything surrounded around the church. I just remember growing up in uh, in this and that and the other thing. And
0: so, when I did don't know. you get saved? Did you do
1: anything else besides church? I don't know. When
0: did you get saved? How did you get saved? Well,
1: when I was five years old, uh-huh. I felt like a huge sinner. Anybody else? at five years old felt like a sinner? Me too. I knew I was a sinner. No question about that one. I wasn't as good as my sisters, but you know, anyway. I remember going to my mama one day and saying, mama, please pray for me. I need to receive Jesus as my savior. And we knelt down beside the bed and God came into my heart. Yeah, I still am stupid sometimes, but I still love Jesus, even though... I do stupid things. Anybody else here that do stupid things? Just a couple of you. Okay, so then when I was in college, I went to college, which was sort of kind of funny because I didn't think I could go to college because I was too stupid.
0: Oh, get off it. I
1: went to college. Actually, what happened is my job ended. And that wasn't my fault, the business went under. Anyway, (laughs) so anyway, I was thinking, what am I gonna do with the rest of my life? (laughs) I'm 18, right? And I'm going, what am I gonna do with the rest of my life? I just lost my job. Well, somebody, one of my friends was in college, and I said, I'll go visit my friend in college. And so I called her and she says, yeah, come on up. I got an extra bed in my dorm room, you can stay there. And so I went up and he was there. So I didn't meet him, I didn't meet him that time. But it was a Christian college. That's another really good place to meet a husband or a wife. It's a Christian college. And not just any Christian college that says they're Christian, but they really, 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 really was a Christian college. What else?
0: And we got married. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And you know, it's funny because my parents weren't pastors And when I married him and his parents were, you know, missionaries and stuff, I thought, oh, my, you know, I don't know. I'm not not a pastor's kid or a missionary's kid. But my parents lived like pastors. They were responsible to God before people. Yeah.
0: Well, that was good, love. Give her a big hand. Thank you for that, honey. So the blessing of God started before her. It started on faithfulness of her parents. And my parents, you know, my dad was not a believer. At 17, he uh, had a friend who went to a Pentecostal church in New York and decided to go as well. And, and they went, and uh, he, he got saved. Dad got saved. And uh, in fact, uh, his sister tried to kill him because back then, if you were an Italian, you had to be in a particular church. And if you weren't in that church, you're dead. So she chased him around with a butcher knife trying to kill him. Because he deserted the faith, but he came to know the Lord as Savior and Lord. And he became radical for the Lord and decided he'd go to Bible school. He felt a call on his life. He had, uh, the, the family had planned to send him to Italy to be an opera singer because he had a great operatic voice. Some of you that were with us years ago heard him sing, tremendous singer. And, uh, but instead he went to Bible school. And uh, my mom... Interestingly enough, uh, left home at 12 years old. Uh, She, her mom had died when she was only about two. And uh, her dad remarried a woman that did not want mom around. It was one of those uh, evil stepmother type things. And um, I'm sure she was a wonderful lady. It just was very difficult for mom. So um, she left at 12 years old. She became a nanny for a family. And... She didn't know the Lord. The family were, uh, went to church. She went to church, but she never knew Jesus. And when she graduated from high school at 18, she moved to be with an fa- uh, uncle and an auntie uh, across uh, the United States. And uh, they were Pentecostal believers. And uh, she thought they were crazy, absolutely insane, speaking in tongues and all of that. And she didn't want anything to do with that. But one day, they'd all gone to church, and she was at home by herself. And she had this experience with God where a cloud came over her. She saw it, and one drop of blood came out of that cloud. And that drop, when it touched her, radically changed her. She began to weep and confess her sins. She began to repent. Her whole life changed at that moment. And uh, she got filled with the Holy Ghost. She became a radical believer uh, and had a yearning to go to Bible school, except she had no money. And one day, one of her friends said, look, um, why don't you at least apply? She said, I don't have any money. She said, well, just at least apply. So mom applied to Bible school. And lo and behold, the school wrote her back and said, your first year has been paid for by an anonymous donor. She went to Bible school. Second year was paid for by an anonymous donor, and the third year was paid for by an anonymous donor. And at graduation, when she graduated, she met a lady. And um, this lady was a maid at a home of a wealthy man in New York. And um, she, had, she had visited the church where Mom was. Mom never met her. Prior to that time, and um, she was so impacted by Mom's exuberance, she asked somebody about her, and they told her Mom wanted to go to Bible school. She paid for Mom's entire Bible school as a maid in a household. But when the owner, when when the wealthy man died, he left her a large inheritance, and God took care of her for the rest of her life. Her name was Latona Gunn. And so every year we give a Latona Gun Award to those who help our school, uh, having students be able to come to our school. And mom and dad met in Bible school. Mom didn't like dad at all, but how many know God changes hearts? They got married, went to the mission field to India where I was born, and, and I'm the fourth of four boys, and then a daughter came after me, Debbie. And um, I'm blessed today because they made a decision. They made a decision to follow Christ. But even though they made a decision and I'm blessed because of their decision, I had to make a decision as well so that I would continue to walk in that blessing. So Colleen and I both made a decision I, she made it at five. My first decision was at four years old. Never forget it. I was in Calcutta and on the veranda with my dad and said, Dad, you know, I need you to pray for me. He prayed for me, and I realized that something was changing. And then at six years old, when I, we were on a ship crossing uh, the Pacific. Um, uh, dad came into our stateroom where my three brothers we were all on bunk beds. I was on the top bunk. And dad said, are you certain that if you were to die tonight, you'd go to heaven? And I wasn't certain. And I remember crying up there on that top bunk, six years old. Please listen to me. It's not the age that makes a difference. It's the reality of God's presence that comes into our life. And a little child can know more about Jesus than us old guys. They have a sensitive heart. And I remember giving my heart to the Lord and um, got filled with the Holy Ghost when I was a senior in high school. I remember when I gave my heart to the Lord. I didn't fight with my brother for a whole two or three days. It was wonderful. I knew I'd been changed by the power of God. So I'm blessed by God and our marriage is blessed by God. And uh, my children all gave their hearts to the Lord. They're blessed by God. Their children are going to be blessed by God and their children's children are going to be blessed by God all because of a decision. Now you say, well, what, what's the blessing of God? Let me close this message by sharing it with you very rapidly. And that is this. That when you look at the blessing of God on a family, it starts with a decision to come into covenant with God. And we've shared our decision. We made a decision ourselves. But what is the blessing? Well, God's interested, so interested in blessing his people that one of the jobs of the Levites was to pronounce blessing in his name over the people. You can read about it there in Deuteronomy 10.8. And the greatest blessings are spiritual, forgiveness of sins, eternal life, the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, a transformed life, being made new by, uh, by Christ, answers to prayer, his presence... I love what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But there are other blessings that God wants to give you. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Deuteronomy 28, just for a moment, because I want to read the blessings of God. And they're found dramatically in this chapter, because he talks about blessings. And he talks about curses. You don't want any of the curses. But here's the blessings. Listen to it. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. The crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds, and the lambs of your flocks, your basket, and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hands to. Somebody ought to get excited. The Lord, your God, will bless you in the land he is giving you. The Lord will establish you in, as his holy people. As he promised you by oath, on oath, if you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all the peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity. Everybody say abundant prosperity. In the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, the crops of your grounds, in the land he swore to your forefathers to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land and cedar and bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. He'll pay attention to the com- If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and continually follow them, you will always be on top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today, to the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. Wow. Take a, come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Take a look, for example, at psalm, psalm 128. If you want to know the blessings of the Lord on your life, you can claim this psalm. Every time it says, blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your sons will be like olive shoots around your table. Thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord. These are blessings God says are yours. Paul writes in Romans 8, 32, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Or 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and verse 11, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. In verse 11, You will be made rich in every way, So that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Somebody say hallelujah. How many wouldn't mind having God bless you? Oh, wave at me, wave at me, wave at me. Starts with a decision. God wants to bless you and your family. But you need to make a decision to come into covenant with God. By making Jesus the Lord of your life. You start today. You say, Pastor, I didn't have a family like yours who was under the blessing of God. I understand. I know that. But you can make a decision today, if you haven't made it yet, that releases the blessing of God from this point on. If you're away from God, this is the time to come home. Come under that wonderful place of blessing. Now you can spend the rest of your life getting angry over the life you were lived prior to this moment. You can get angry at your parents or angry at somebody who abused you and hurt you. And that anger in you sometimes will keep you from the rest of your life. But I'm here today to say to you that there's a fork in the road. Jesus said it clearly. Wide is the road that leads to destruction and many there be that go that way. But narrow is the road that leads to life and few there be that find it. There's a fork in the road. Take the narrow road. Take the road with Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Make a decision today. Stand to your feet. I hope the word encouraged you. Thank you so much for joining us here on the King Central Podcast. God bless you. Walk in power and walk in the fullness of that which God has given you.